electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, ready for departure. American Airlines CEO Doug Parker is handing off the controls, but not before checking in with us about travel industry's recovery. It does feel like the consumer has confidence in being able to travel 30 to 60 days out. And high-flying tech stocks in correction territory, but it might be okay with this team. Instead of going into an NFT, I'd much rather have an overvalued share of Apple or Microsoft or, or Google or something like that. Plus, the Senate up late in Washington and New York City subways are running kind of empty. Maybe because some of us are too comfortable on the couch. I just watch TV efficiently. I don't watch like every crazy show. Oh, Bonanza's not a great show. It's Thursday, January 20th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And boy, what a start to the year this has been. Uh, Down day for the markets across the board yesterday with the Dow off by 1%, the S&P off by 1%, and the Nasdaq down by 1.1%. And and guys, at this point, the declines are really starting to add up. But if you've been watching the Nasdaq composite or the Nasdaq 100 for this year, wow. Um, Big, big losses. You are now talking about the NASDAQ down by 11.5% from its high that it hit just back on November 22nd. NASDAQ 100 is down by 10.25%. And that means both of those indices are now in uh, correction territory, down by at least 10% from their their, um, highs that they hit again just back in November, late November at that. Um, So you have seen some incredible pressure that's been across the board. If you were looking at any of the FANG names, any of those big stocks, all of the FANG names except for Apple are in correction territory territory too. Apple's down by 9%, but if you were looking at Amazon, down 17%. Microsoft is off by 10%. That's just this month. Google's off 6% for the month. And Meta, Facebook, is down by about 5% from month to date. That looks like the winner among all of those big stocks. Netflix, by the way, which is going to be reporting earnings, it's down too incredibly sharply, down by about 27% from its highs. Andrew? Huge market moves and uh, also a busy day in Washington could have an impact uh, on the markets unto itself. Let's give you a quick recap of what happened. The motion is not agreed to. Madam President, Madam Vice President, I enter a motion to reconsider the failed cloture vote. We had two key votes in the Senate. In the first, the Democrats voting rights uh, bill fell short of the 60 votes needed to break a Republican filibuster. Then. The Senate voted down a motion by Democrats to change the filibuster rules to pass legislation with a simple majority. Now, Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema had voted with Republicans to reject that rule change. The rule of self-restraint, which we have very little of anymore, self-restraint. Allowing one party to exert complete control in the Senate with only a simple majority will only pour fuel on the fire of political whiplash and dysfunction that is tearing this nation apart. The only choice to move forward on these vital issues is to change the rules in the modest way we have proposed. Mr. President, I move to proceed to the motion to reconsider the vote by which cloture was not invoked on the motion to concur 
in the House Amendment to the Senate Amendment to H.R. 5746, the Freedom to Vote John R. Lewis Act. The clerk will call the roll. Ms. Baldwin. Mr. Barrasso. Mr. Romney. Aye. Ms. Rosen. Aye. Mr. Round. Ms. Cinema. Aye. On this vote, on this vote, the yeas are 52, the nays are 48. The decision of the chair stands as the judgment of the Senate. Then, in nearly two-hour-long news conference. Hello, folks. Thanks for being here. President Biden offered an assessment of his first year in office and covered a range of topics. He acknowledged rising inflation and his administration's initial slow action on COVID testing amid the current surge. I think we've done remarkably well. You know, the idea that uh, on testing we've done, we should have done it quicker, but we've done remarkable since then. What we have is we have more testing going on than anywhere in the world. And we're going to continue to increase that. Did we have it at the moment exactly when we should have moved? And could we have moved a month earlier? Yeah, we could have. But with everything else that's going on, I don't view that as somehow a mark of incompetence. She predicted, though, that Vladimir Putin would order a Ukraine invasion, but said he would uh, regret having done it. And he admitted for the very first time publicly that his Build Back Better bill may not pass as a whole. It's clear to me that, uh, um, that we're going to have to uh, probably uh, break it up. I'm not going to negotiate against myself as to what should and shouldn't be in it. But I think we can break the package up, get as much as we can now, and come back and fight for the rest later. And there you have it. Isn't this what we all thought was going to happen to begin with? I'm not sure why we're, why we're even, I don't know why this went on as long as it did. It's like everything. They, they, uh, they do a lot of things for, for showdown. A lot of kabuki dancing. I mean, the two votes last night, both, both we, they, they knew in advance full well. I'd be kind of like, you know, it's, it's late. Here I am. I got to be here for this vote. I know what the outcome is going to be. Why are we doing this? But, uh, you know, things like that have to happen. Build back better, never... And this will get political here, and I don't want to do that, but, but we heard that Joe Manchin pulled the rug out from under uh, the, the president, and we heard that uh, stated by a lot of people in, on his staff in the administration. But, but then if you look at Manchin's comments, I'm not sure that's true. I think he, uh, he had issues the entire time. So I don't think he know. was ever going to do it. I that's don't, what I I mean. don't think so, he was ever going to do it. They right, were both so, dancing. Yeah, so there's a lot of kabuki. And we have to, and it matters to us. But I'll tell you what was more, and... This, I'm going to get totally off topic, but, but, but what occurred to me was, was watching the NASDAQ and, and watching uh, the valuation come out of things. I, the NASDAQ might be the best proxy for where money goes when it's really free, when it's really available. Money it, that, heaven. That, that, yeah, it, well, no, <laughs> yeah, money heaven. No, but, but flows down. Th those are great companies. And if, if something, you know, instead of going into an NFT, I'd much rather have an overvalued share of Apple or Microsoft or, or Google or right. something like that. So when that comes down, I, I think that's a, a really good reflection of the of the change in that that we're seeing with the Fed and and, and yeah, the that change it in made, sentiment, the change in the Fed. And then I was thinking about crypto, crypto, which also yeah, wait, well, crypt, look at crypto though. Look crypto following morning. following the what? Nasdaq. But here's what here's and then I thought of this: crypto's getting it but it's from not two now. Look where, right. Yeah, but for it's down from sixty nine. You know, Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you, I would have thought it would have been slaughtered again yesterday. 
Right, you would think, but th th this occurred to me that the two reasons to own crypto, one is it, it's a good, you know, it, it's a very speculative asset, right? And money, when money's cheap, it goes into crypto. But the reason you buy crypto is because money's cheap and, and you think that fiat currencies aren't worth, they're getting debased. So when the Fed moves the opposite way, number one, you don't have all the free money. And number two, you don't have, you know, the, the rationale for owning it in the first place is not as compelling because you're not printing as much money. So it's a double whammy. And I, I think a big part of it has to be the tightening of the balance sheet again, too. I heard from some people yesterday, I think you did too, Joe. The QT. Just about what happens, right, when you have quantitative tightening, because it, there was a chart that kind of showed stocks going up, especially some of those high-tech stocks the going fangs. up, choreographed directly to what the five major central banks were doing with their balance sheets. It was almost the right. same chart if you look like at some of those one things. Like one-to-one correlation, yeah. Right, like an exact correlation with it. So it's not just raising that, that's rates. That's what I was which, referencing. I wasn't going to bring that chart yeah, up, but yeah, you got it. You saw it too. It's been, you know... You can say that it's not going to mean that much, but if it meant that much on the way up, it's going to mean something on the way down, too, right? Yep. The, what's the average multiple for the great stocks? And we talked about, I mean, I made my case for, <laughs> for Netflix yesterday. I'll pay any price for, for my month long of, of Netflix. But, Andrew, you're right about Peacock, too. You, uh, uh, Yellowstone's on Peacock. Have you watched that yet, Dorkin? Yes. I did. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, and sir. That, it's a very good show. You know who's a beast? He really is. And I, I never liked him as much. I, I think Kevin Costner is just. I think so, too. Oh, come and, on. Great. You never liked Kevin Costner? You I had did. I, I actually always did, but I don't know. There was just something. I mean, I liked him since Silverado. I really did. But he's in this, he's just hit his stride like I, I can't believe it. And I, and I like uh, the, the I like Rip a lot. kind of want to be Rip. Kind of a fanboy, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm like the furthest. Anyway, we, we digress again. But 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 uh, so Netflix, I understand paying 30, 40, 50 times earnings, but a lot of it's due to the Fed, I think. And and look, the question Netflix is going to have earnings tonight too. The question or results, we should say. The question is, are they going to miss on some of the subscriber numbers too? Because you can you can give away a lot. You can give a stock a lot of leeway when you know it's a growth story, if you start hitting saturation because there are so many other players like Peacock, like Disney, uh, like Paramount. I mean, I, I can't even tell you the number of these things that I have signed up for now. Is there a limit to how big you can get with them? And, and that is going to be back to the questions. But, you know, the, the FANG stocks, the, as much as they're down, that's nothing compared to some of the other stocks that were such high flyers. If you looked at Stitch Fix, it was down 86% from its high. Peloton, yeah. down 80%. DraftKings, down 71%. Yeah. Penn National, down 70%. Viacom CBS, down 65%. Discovery, off 63%. I mean, you can run through. Moderna, down 65%. So the pain you're talking about is even deeper when you look at some of these other stocks, too. And I... I, I don't. I, I think that's reflected to somewhat in the indexes, but you know, no, not, yeah. depending on where you're There's invested, still, you feel it a lot more. Still, some things holding it up. If it's only ten uh, in the Nasdaq, because a lot right. of things are down uh, 30, 40, and 50. I saw somebody making the comment on Twitter that actually buying Peloton shares would have been a better deal because he bought the bike, better, better than buying the product. He bought the bike six months ago and has never used it. And he said, at least if I bought the stock, I'd still have 25% of my money. It's, it's not Peloton's fault. It's like the def it's easier not to use it, I got to admit. Uh, I forgot you I to admit. Right here. I can reach it. So, Sorkin, you admit you watch TV. So you have seen Yeltsin. Okay. You know, you want people to think you're just, like, zooming in on, on C-SPAN and, like, taking notes and stuff. So you do watch some. Okay. So you, you I, just admit it. We can it. go toe-to-toe -to -toe on great shows. I just watch TV efficiently. I don't watch 
Like every oh, Bonanza's not a great I, show. <laughs> Bonanza's not a great show. Rifleman is not a I great show. I just don't show. watch bad TV. You're doing Rifle, yourself yeah. deeper. I try to. I try to. I just don't watch endless TV. I don't watch endless TV. How about that? Well, I don't either because there's nothing on. It can't be endless because I can't find anything. The Winter Olympics kick off in two weeks, but the announcers will not be traveling to Beijing. NBC Sports uh, said yesterday that the announcing teams will call the events uh, from their facility in Stamford, Connecticut because of COVID concerns. Think of a few others, maybe two NBC's announcers uh, for figure skating, alpine skating, and snowboarding had been expected to be in Beijing, uh, but those plans have been canceled. Another, I, we'll never get any of this back. Another casualty. Remember the Olympics when there was no one in the stands and you're like trying to watch figure skating without any cheering and it, it we're never getting the we're never getting this back from remote yeah, they fact, do pretty it's, well it's going to be it, worse because at least in japan they had some people in the stands some of the local uh, people yeah. were allowed in the stands that's not the case in china so it will be empty so empty. the announcers are um, like us they're watching on tv and commenting it, we could be at home well, commenting to our to, you know to the other members of our family okay that's a beautiful full axle that uh, just Oh, she's I mean, down. I'll still oh, watch. that's oh, I'll what still a shame. Watch, but I don't yeah. blame them. No, when I, I would, heard what you have to do to get into China at this point, the swabs well, that, that they're going to take. That <laughs> yeah. too. Like, I mean, you've you, you've things. seen I've seen some of the more strident China hawks, you know, posing the question: What happens if an athlete says something that that the Chinese government doesn't like? I don't know. I mean, I I don't think they'd be dumb enough to. I don't think you're going to see anything. They wouldn't like disappear. That. They only disappear their own people, don't they? at the moment. Coming up next on Squawk Pod, Doug Parker's last interview as CEO of American Airlines. How a global pandemic shaped his last couple of years on the job and quick book before it's too late. As people return to work and businesses return to their prior travel patterns or something close to it, what I do believe you'll see is prices go up because there will be fewer seats available for leisure travelers. Uh, but right now, um, yeah, you can get some really good deals out there. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. We're back. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. I want to get straight to Phil LeBeau who joins us this morning with a very special guest. Phil. Thank you, Andrew. Let's bring in Doug Parker, chairman and CEO of American Airlines, joining us from the company's operations center in Fort Worth. Uh, Doug, you just reported Q4 results better than expected, but still a loss for the fourth quarter. Uh, and the question becomes, how much of an impact did you notice from the Omicron resurgence 
let's say, the last 10 days of the fourth quarter. Yeah, thanks, Phil, and thanks for having me. Look, it's quarterly results, full year results as well. I want to start by just saying how proud we are of what we accomplished, what our team accomplished. And in, uh, the, in the entire 2021 year, uh, we, we grew in a year where it was most important to grow back to meet accelerating demand. Uh, we, we grew back faster and further than anyone else. We're about, we, we flew about 25% more passengers in 2021 than any other airline. Uh, we did so by running, while running the, our team running the best operation Americans run uh, over a full year in our history in terms of on-time performance and completion factor. And our customers notice our likelihood to recommend scores in 2021 are the highest they've ever been. So just really, really proud of, of how the team performed. That gives us great confidence as we go forward. These results would have been better uh, were it not for Omicron. Um, we saw a, a, large decline, a large increase in cancellations. Our net bookings uh, toward, uh, through the quarter uh, were, were, fell from what had been about 80 percent of 2019 levels to less than 50 percent um, at their trough at the end, at the end of uh, 2020 in the last week of 2020, but those are coming back. Uh, we're actually seeing now uh, net bookings uh, back in the 80% level uh, where they were prior to Omicron. So people are, I believe, uh, certainly have gotten to the point where they believe this is going to be behind us before too long, and they're, and they're having confidence in making travel plans, uh, certainly in the future. Let's talk about the future. What are you seeing for, you mentioned that bookings are improving. Is it going to really pick up in terms of uh, travel and demand in the second half of this quarter, or do we have to wait a little bit further into the spring? What are you guys seeing in terms of those booking trends? Yeah, again, uh, the, the near-term bookings are still soft. Um, net bookings, again, we look at because there are still people even canceling trips they've made. Uh, but that has gotten better here as we've come into January. Uh, what, looks, what looks really quite strong, or relatively strong, anyway, are bookings outside 30 to 60, in the 30- to 60-day period. Um, so... Uh, that we feel good about. Those numbers, again, are, are back uh, above where they were uh, pre-Omicron in terms of net booking. So I don't, I don't know. We, we still have to see. Uh, but it does feel like the consumer has confidence in, in, in being able to travel uh, 30 to 60 days out. Um, we'll have to see if that actually manifests itself in, in, actual, in actual results. But that's, that's where we are. And look, what it really says is there's large pent-up, what we all know, there's huge pent-up demand for travel uh, once everyone... Uh, feels well enough to travel. And when, and uh, again, right now, that looks like it's, you know, 30, 60 days from now. Hey, Doug, I, I was actually on booking a, a ticket yesterday to, to go to California in a couple of weeks, and I couldn't believe how cheap it was. I mean, 200 bucks to get to California if you're willing to fly economy on it. Um, and it, it just made me realize that you guys are fully staffed. You've, you've got to have the, the teams got to have the planes, have everything ready because we saw this huge surge that was there and, and too many people who were getting shut down because of staffing problems with Omicron. Um, it's got to be so frustrating right now to try and figure out demand and try and make sure you have everything, all the planes filled for the next few months. Have prices come down pretty drastically really quickly just to make sure that you get through the next 30, 60 days? Yeah, no, they've been at those levels for a while, Becky. Um, indeed, there's there we our planes are um, reasonably full, but they're, they're largely so due to, to, due to leisure travelers. Uh, business demand has not come back, uh, has not rebounded nearly as much as leisure demand. That will happen. Um, and, and when that does, as, business, as people return to work and businesses return to their prior travel patterns or something close to it, uh, what I do believe you'll see is prices go up uh, because there will be fewer seats available for, for uh, leisure travelers. Uh, but right now, um, yeah, you can get some really good deals out there and, and people are doing so. Enjoy your trip. 
Doug, let's talk about uh, 5G and what's happened here, especially over the last three weeks and especially over the last couple of days. First of all, are all of your planes able to take off and land at every airport or is it still a case where there are a few airports, some airports, where you're not comfortable with the uh, altimeter potentially being uh, interfered with by a 5G tower in the area? And two, when do you expect this to finally all play out? Because the wireless companies, while they've delayed, have said, look, at some point we want to turn these towers on completely, even those around the airports where we're delaying uh, activating 5G. Yeah. Um, first off, to your first question, yeah, in, because uh, the telecoms have agreed uh, not to, um, to uh, fully turn on antennas uh, within a certain radius of airports, we're fully comfortable now and airplanes are flying uh, in and out of um, all airports uh, without without uh, any sort of real disruption, it was going to be much worse than that, of course. And uh, Frank, and, and fortunately, um, saner minds prevailed, uh, and we were able to get uh, to avoid what would have been a really, really um, disruptive process. So, uh, look, this hasn't been our finest hour as a country in terms of how we got to this point. Uh, but the good news is, um, people, the right people are talking to each other, sharing the right information now, um, and I feel really confident that. Um, as we move forward, we're not going to see issues like this. Uh, we now have what should have been going on for a while is now going on. Uh, the equipment manufacturers on our side uh, speaking with the telecoms on the other side uh, about exactly uh, what is and is not um, something that we can deal with safely. Uh, we were never going to compromise safety. We just weren't going to have operations. Uh, but it was going to be significant. Uh, we've avoided it uh, thanks to um, the involvement of a lot of people there in the last couple of days uh, to get it done. So we're thankful for that. And again, uh, I do feel good about the process now uh, where we are uh, with the right people sharing the right information to make sure we don't have this issue in the future. Hey, it's Andrew here. Quick question. I don't know if you saw Starbucks uh, yesterday announcing that it is no longer going to require vaccination or testing of its employees. It's going to continue to encourage them to do so. I'm curious if that decision and what we've seen from the Supreme Court is changing how you may be thinking about this for your own employees. And I also wonder how you think it may change your, your thought process around masking and the like and everything else for passengers over time. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, we at American have already have already completed our process in that regard. Uh, we we uh, ask our employees to be vaccinated uh, by um, early January. We have 97 percent of the team. Uh, either vaccinated now or with uh, a, a qualified exemption. Um, so that's where we are. We were able to do so without putting anyone on unpaid leave, without firing anyone. We feel very good about the process we put in place. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're happy with where we are. We're going to stay where we are. Um, as to masking, um, that is an issue that is, um, that, that's a federal mandate uh, that is put in place uh, by the TSA. Uh, right now it, it expires sometime in uh, March, March 19th, I believe. Uh, so we'll, we'll wait and see. That's up to them uh, to decide whether or not that's extended or not. Uh, but it's certainly going to be in place uh, through the middle of March. Doug, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Doug Parker, the uh, chairman and CEO of American Airlines. Hey, Doug, I told people earlier, 107 consecutive quarterly financial <laughs> calls going back to your days at America West uh, in the 90s. What's going to happen next quarter? Are you sleeping in yeah. completely? I don't know, but 107 sounds like enough, right? So, uh, yeah, thanks, Phil, and thanks, and thanks. <laughs> You've been with me on a lot of those, and I appreciate it. So thanks a lot. Yeah, it has been a pleasure. Doug Parker. I'm glad. It's nice for Doug. I'm glad that uh, so he didn't get life.
That's good. Does he have to do community service once he gets out, do you, do you think, Phil? That that's like a wow. That, that's like probation. It's nice. It's nice. So there was a possibility for, for, for yeah. twenty. That's 26 years, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, Joe, we couldn't find it, but we know there's tape of you talking with him when he was CFO of, of America West in the mid-90s. You're kidding. I want to see it not only to see what Doug looks like, I want to see what you look like. I look exactly the same, Phil, in my own eyes. Next on Squawk Pod. White-collar New Yorkers aren't traveling to work or aren't at work, and crime rates are ticking up. Part of it's a chicken and egg thing. One of the reasons there's crime on the subways, why the whole experience is the way it is, is because there's not enough people. Solving the Big Apple's economic issues and an op-ed from a longtime CNBC friend right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Joe. Good morning and welcome uh, back, I hope, to Squawk Box, live from the NASDAQ market site. Back here at home, do you want to point out something? Uh, if you haven't seen it already, there's an op-ed in the New York Post today from our friend and former colleague, Michelle Caruso Cabrera. She's making the call for CEOs to bring workers back to the office or risk spreading unemployment in areas like the Bronx. She points out at the, in the Bronx, the unemployment is still above 11 percent, even though the national average is now below 4 percent. And, and a big part of the problem is you only have about 28 percent of the office workers back. There are so many people in the Bronx that take the subway down and would do things to work in the, the stores, the bodegas, the restaurants uh, all around uh, the Midtown offices where there were so many people coming in. And guys, if you think about it, um, New York's a city of about 8 million people. Uh, it used to be pre-pandemic that that number would swell to 12 million people who were there during the workday. So these are people who are coming in from greater New York areas, from New Jersey, from Connecticut. And they aren't, at least not even in any sort of real show of force at this point. And it's been a huge issue um, all the way around for for Manhattan, for the rest of New York and for uh, other offices. And you've, you've heard this echoed by CEOs before saying we need to do this to get the city back and up and running. Um, but the real problem is the crime situation still in the city, not to mention the inconvenience of travel and commuting. Most people who are going in, I think, are, are probably driving themselves in, which traffic has been pretty bad. The times that I've come and driven myself in, I'm shocked at how bad the traffic is when you hear that it's only 28 percent of occupancy of people who are back. And I don't I don't blame them. I mean, if you see what's happening in the subways and other places, but you the, don't necessarily the, want to do that. It's the point that it's the point that's been made again and again that 
you know, working on a fancy laptop at home and being able to do all your high-tech business is, is really, you're at a certain level of employment when, when you're able to do that. And a lot of the frontline yeah. people do not have that option. And Michelle points out the, the, the lines that feed in from the Bronx, the subways that feed in the occupancy, or, 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 it's down like 50% or something, or 60% yeah. that people just aren't coming. Why would they come in if there's no job? Uh, to come, but they're not at home on their laptops doing, you know, doing what they'd right. normally be doing in, in Manhattan. Look, Michelle's right. You want all these people back, but there's, I, I would argue you have to clean up a couple of things. I think the crime issue is a real issue. Um, yeah. And then per- perhaps even more importantly than that, to get everybody in an office, quote unquote, comfortably where they're, where they're not going to be having to mask all day long, you have to figure out how you're going to deal with it. And are you actually going to pay for daily rapid testing? What, what is the the measure with which is going to get there. And by the way, it may very well be that in three weeks from now, in a place like New York City, we are there. Just, right. Hopefully. Just because the like, numbers like are places, what they are. Yeah. yeah, let's hope so. But that would be, uh, that, that's, and I initially said, well, the other reason people aren't riding the subways is because what you just said, you probably don't feel totally safe. For I mean, it's a numbers yeah. game. But, but I it's mean, a chicken not- and egg. Part of it's a chicken and right. egg thing, which is I think that one of the reasons there's crime on the subways and why there's so many homeless people who are on the subway, why, why the whole experience is the way it is, is because there's not enough people out and about. So it's, it's sort yeah, of Yeah, but you know what? It's an investment that has to be made and you have time. to clean that up and you have to police it and f- figure out a problem, uh, you know, with, with the issues that are right. there at the time, because right now you're in a worker's market and employee, employees can say, I don't want to come in. So if it's right. a chicken and egg problem, guess which part of the problem has to be fixed first when you were talking about such low, low, low unemployment and when so many of the workers who are white collar workers have a lot more say than they did in the past. Well, we will see what Eric Adams uh, says about, well, we know what he says about it. We'll see what he does about it. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Tell us what you think about going back to the office or if you are already there or you're a frontline worker and you've been there all along, tell us how it's going. You can tweet us anytime at Squawk CNBC. That's at Squawk CNBC. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Yes, sir. It's a very good show. Squawk Pod is downloadable where podcasts are available. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.